Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chowdhury and can't wait to jump into today's podcast episode. So episode number 55, we have a special guest Jacqueline Solomon. In this episode, we will discuss with Jacqueline the topic to take control of our life. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for taking the time out today and joining me in this episode. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me and inviting me to share. Yeah, you're most welcome. So, yeah, today's topic, we, we discuss about healing, which is like uh, really close to you, the subject. And before we talk about the topic, I just want to know more about you, how you became a life coach and how you got everything started. This is very interesting. I was just having this conversation with someone this morning about like really, really where it started. And mm-hmm. um, I feel I was always on a, on a mission to naturally express that I wanted to naturally heal. I always went where there was pain and suffering, but yeah. it wasn't until my son passed away in 20, I mean, in 2009, that really kind of, it was the, 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 largest and deepest and most traumatic pain that I have ever ever experienced Mm -hmm. and um I was really at a cross point of um not knowing if if my soul could go on yeah and and my twins were very young they were only seven at the time and I had to decide what I was gonna live for them or I was die with my eldest son and yeah. so in order to live for them, I had to go on a healing journey of myself. So that's where it really started for me. Yeah. So how long has it been like you've been a life coach now? So not just a life coach, because life coaching mm-hmm. is kind of different. I, I think um, more like a spiritual life coach because of, mm-hmm. of how, how I support individuals. And that really started in 2018 when I um, completed my second certification in coaching. I have two different ones. And one was a humanistic, uh, neuro-linguistic. So it's really about how the mind contains um, trauma and stress and and, and visualizing and how we store it and processing it. And the other one was conscious parenting. And when I really started learning about how parenting and how those institutions of parent really affect us and yeah. our development of self and our relationships that's when I really went into the coaching full-time because until then I was just studying to learn about myself and heal myself yeah but then when I learned so much and healed so much from what I was learning that's when I said it was time to put it out and share it with those that that could receive it yeah that's interesting and ever since then like you've been helping others on their journey right oh yeah, absolutely so it's like everything happens for our life. There is a reason, and it just to grow ourselves to the next level. So, like before we talk about more about healing, I want to know like what actually happened with your son. Like, what was the cause of his death, and how did you overcome it? Because I know it's not easy. We are about to lose our first child, and yeah, I know like how it felt uh, the situation when you actually go through that. So would you like to tell us uh, more about like how did he pass away? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's part of his story. So yeah. anytime I get to speak about him and share him, it's it's always it brings me much joy. 
um, especially that can support others that yeah. are going through tragedy and, and sharing his life and, and his transition. Um, so Joshua, Joshua Noel, um, Last name. had, thank you. <laughs> he had been um, struggling in, in school with, well, and, and what I will refer to as compulsory education and, and not being able to, to sit still and, and, you know, swallow direction and keep up with the other kids. So, you know, he was seen as ADHD. And so he was on medications for ADHD and he was very hyper and what we would consider hyper back in, back then. Yeah. And so he was put on, on medicines that we would have to go constantly to the doctor and because he would adapt and then we have to switch. And I didn't know and really anything. That was at the time where I truly was believing my whole faith was in a medical medical yeah. industry um so it came a time when he was getting really really depressed and we were um going in and trying to get interventions for him and i had my twins at home and and again i was just following what what medicine was telling me was the right way to go so he was put on a mood stabilizer um which probably was not a um uh the best um choice i would yeah. say at at the time now that i know better about the pharmaceutical itself, but he was provide, he was prescribed that pharmaceutical um, by the psychiatrist, and he developed um, what is deemed like a one in a million um, chance of developing um, a condition called Steven Johnson syndrome, which is a severe allergic reaction to um, right. a, a substance. Yeah, and he developed a rash, and within six days he was in a burn unit. Um, wow and he was put into a medically induced coma um, and he transitioned during that time. Yeah, so sorry to hear that. So how, how old was he at that time? 11. 11, yeah. He was 11 years old and he he was in the ICU before he was transitioned to the, um, the burn unit. Mm -hmm. And it was in the ICU. The reason we transitioned him was because he was, he was in such excruciating pain. He was- um, yeah. He was begging me to let him pass. And so when I saw that um, we had really reached a point where he was struggling and suffering as a mother, I had to make yeah. a step to release him. And I blessed him. Yeah, it's just a, it's like hardest decision ever, right? To go in through. If, if mm. he's gone, just gone himself, that would have been a different story than is begging for it and you have to release and that's not like easy things to do and it, it reminds me back to like um, back in April when our son was in ICU and he was like shifting from um, the hospital he was born into like a children's specialized hospital and they took him from with a special ambulance and everything going through it felt like he's not gonna come back again I don't know like at the faith but at the same time the ways everything is going, all the negativity around and everything, it didn't feel like he's coming back. And I don't know, we just cried, me and my wife just cried. And that situation was like, a, I don't know, it's unexplainable. Obviously you can understand you lost him, but those who never had a child, those who haven't gone through this kind of situation, it's just unexplainable with the words you can explain. And obviously that's why I don't wanna ask you, how did you feel? I'm gonna ask you like, how did you move forward? Because Obviously, you had like other children as well, right? That time. Yeah. Um, 
I can tell you that in the moments where the doctor was coming out and saying, I don't understand, I don't understand, you know, we're losing him, I don't understand. Yeah. I understood. And I knew that his soul was just tired of fighting. His frail little body could not take the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember going numb. And I remember feeling it's not about you. Yeah. It's not about you. And I think that's where it started. Because on the way home, I remember getting in the car and just feeling this weird kind of like, I wasn't in that world yet. Yeah. The after him, but I still wasn't out of the the world where he was there. So I was like in this weird space. And I remember going, but I can't go home because I can't go home. My son's there. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you leave him? Like, it, it was just very bizarre. Like, it just, and it I didn't knew feel like a real, right? It, it, it just d- felt it like you're still in a dream. You're having a nightmare or something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's hard to breathe. Yeah. Because I don't know if I'm waking up. I don't, it's just, it's very bizarre space. And I remember my twins at home and I was in, I was in New York. I was in Manhattan in a hospital and we lived in New mm-hmm. Jersey at the time. And I had to drive over the bridge. And I remember when I crossed over the bridge, I said, that's it. I crossed yeah. the water. That life is gone. I'll never see him again. And I have to go home and tell my babies that their brother's yeah. gone. Um, Another and that, thing that, to do. Yeah. That's what made me move forward was, okay, I'm their mom. I have to be there for them. This mm. is not about me. And I will take my time and I will figure this out and I will learn. And I will get through this because I'm not being punished. Yeah. And he is not a punishment to me. And I will figure this out. It made it, he was little, it made it a little bit easier because you have other children. So you can look forward to like, I have to be strong for them, right? But when you had like only one child, it makes it so much complicated because we had to think through like this our first child. And there is no other children we can look forward to. Like I can live for them or I have to be strong yeah. for them. It just only me and my wife, that's all. But with your situation, if God blessed you with it, like you had other children where you have to be strong for them, that there is no other choice you have because they need a mom too. So uh, during that time, like you had your partner with you? Or... Yes, my ex-husband. Yeah, yeah. we were, um, it was very difficult. It was mm-hmm. really difficult. And sometimes, sometimes I believe that um Josh he has a big brother actually called in twins because right. deep down he knew yeah. that he I was going to need that and um and and it worked and I bless him every day <laughs> I was like <laughs> you know mommy needed a lot of support and something to keep her going and and yeah. me as a mom I live to be a mom so everything is about being a mom to me and um that kept my drive and um but um Mike's husband, he he took on a lot more of the the logistical burdens. That's where his sacred yeah. masculine took in. And he had to do the official identification of the autopsy. He had to do all that and mm-hmm. to spare me. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that he is still recovering from. Um, and our marriage uh, survived, you know, another 11 years, but it could not survive uh we both healed in very different paces in very different ways and so now we co-parent our our Mm. twins that are now 20 
And um, we're very cordial and respectful and honorable and, and honoring the, the life that we had and honoring the son that, that, yeah. that we raised together. And our children, they keep us, they keep us conscious. They keep us respected, respectable. They keep us very centered yeah. and, and always walking with integrity. That's great, yeah. Because he was there for them like when they needed you. Um, I think they need to appreciate you also as well because it wasn't easy for losing someone else and be there for them at the same time. It's, it's like a really hard job. So how was your, uh, your healing journey started? Did you need any kind of therapy or like what, what was like a process like? That's a unique it was a unique path. I have to say most of it was autodidactic. Mm -hmm. um, when my marriage started really suffering, we went to traditional therapies yeah. and I was studying psychology and I had was studying all that, but there was just something missing. No amount of psychology was, was truly, truly addressing the disconnect, the spiritual yeah. pain the somatic pain, the, 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 the breaking of me, because I, I, I have to say that the, the moment we went into the church to, to do the service, because I hadn't cremated, and that, and that was intuitive. My whole yeah. family, we always, everybody's all about burials and, and, you know, cemeteries. And I knew intuitively, I said, no, mm -hmm. he will return to, to the essence of which he came here. And I did that intuitively and we had a, a church service and it was at that moment that I was sitting there and I realized that I was not a religious person, that I was a spiritual person. Right. And that the answers were going to come not from my religion, yeah. but from my spiritual practice and my devotion to understanding myself as a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. So that's what started. And when psychology really was not serving me and serving us yeah. i really started going into there's something else there's something i'm not seeing and i really started going further into my spiritual practice which at the time was separate yeah. spirituality was one thing to me and psychology was another yeah. and different and i really started understanding that this was one journey and path so i started really studying all of the traditions and and mm. and that led me on my journey to like i really just took it i said we're moving yeah. A year later, just we moved. I could not be in New Jersey anymore. I did not feel my son's spirit there. And so I started changed following the place, like where your son passed away, right? No, he, yeah, we moved. A year later, yeah. we moved because we were actually thinking of moving to Arizona. Okay. We were already thinking of relocating and he yeah. loved it here. It was his favorite place. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew that if I moved here, that I would be closer to him. Yeah, and we did a year later. I packed up my families that were leaving. That's it. We moved here, and that's where my practice really got strong when I got here. Right. And I started connecting with nature, and I started connecting and connecting and learning, and started evolving. Then I started realizing that um, that my body was also spiritual. Okay, that it wasn't my thoughts, that it wasn't yeah. just my words. And that's where I really started exploding. And that was my healing because in understanding that, then mm -hmm. I knew that my son was here. I yeah. knew my son was always here. And I knew that all I had to do was breathe and I would breathe him in. And I know that wherever he was, he was always with me. 
-hmm. And that truly started bringing me the peace that I needed to continue to heal and move forward. Yeah. So how, how long actually took you for like healing? Obviously, I, with my experiences, it's not like a, you can get detached from the situation wherever it actually happened. It's always going to be there. Every night you go to bed, it's going to be remembered. I know those feelings, but how you put back of yourself and keep moving forward. How long actually took you to where you was at the beginning from a starting point to right now? How long actually took you to get to the next level of yourself on a healing process? This is an urn and some of his ashes are here mm -hmm. and I carry them close with me all the time for a simple reminder of the as is and always keeping me grounded in the present. Right. And I think that was intuitively from the very beginning yeah. was not to get lost in the life that was and to embrace and love the as is. And that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. was loving myself yeah. and my life as it is and trusting and trusting that I am loved, trusting that I am love, trusting that we are all God and trusting that we are not victims of life, that we co-create and co-author life. And mm -hmm. so understanding that was my mission, was I am not a victim he is not a punishment because there's only two ways out of this pain yeah. is to surrender that I did something wrong and that he's a punishment and spending the rest of my life trying to do better or saying there is no way that that little life was ever meant to hurt me. And I will figure this out. Yeah. I will learn and I will learn because my son was a gift and nobody's going to take that away from me. Mm -hmm. And I chose that path. Yeah. And so I moved things around and really started walking in. He's always going to be my son. Yeah. I will always have three sons. How can I honor him and be his mother today? Because mm. he is my son today. He's just in a different form. So how can I be the best mother I can be to him? And it's to be of service to his, his life, to be of service to his transition, to yeah. see his life as a sacrifice, to wake up and breaking me open and decalcify myself and the ego that life had imposed on me and to truly release all that and be the best person that I can be to honor him and make him proud of me. Yeah. So those who's like you're going through the healing process, how they can get started with the process? How would you recommend for people to get this journey? Like you probably coach other people on the healing process. So how is this process like? We can't do it alone. We just can't. Um, if I didn't have the love and support of my family, yeah, it, I would not have been able to, to get through this. Mm -hmm. It is it is a it is a spiritual death. And we have to understand that when your child passes it is a spiritual death and you become someone else in that yeah. moment you become someone else and it is in that transitioning to who i have become now and releasing lovingly 
who I was before that and not getting stuck in who I was and wanting to stay there and hold on and, and blame and wondering why. And I could not get lost in the, and this is not a judgment. Everyone yeah. heals and everyone goes through their processes. Me personally, I could not be that person to continue to celebrate his life as if he was still here. Mm -hmm. celebrating birthdays and celebrating anniversaries and thinking about what if he was still here and what if he's not yeah he's not and for me that was not healthy for me that did not help me to continue to grow and evolve into this new transition in life that that the divine was taking me in i would be holding on to what was and so i needed a lot of support for that a lot of guidance and yeah. again a lot of teaching to get through the pain and not surrender to it and want to stay stuck in what should be or what could be and feeling victimized by it. I mm -hmm. had to release that and stay in the as is, stay in this moment and move forward with that. And that requires support. It does. And yeah. we can go to a lot of the spiritual teachings, but when you're in that kind of pain, those spiritual teachings can take you to places. Yeah that are very unbalanced. So it really does require someone that sees you, understands, can hold that space for you. And that's why I became that, or I'm still becoming, be nice, mm -hmm. sorry, my dog. I'm still becoming that healing myself so that I can hold the space for someone else because there's nothing that was greater for me than for somebody to say, let it go. It's yeah. okay, I got you. Because I was always afraid that if I expressed or I emoted, someone else couldn't handle it and that would activate their pain and then they would feel. And so I was always a lot by myself, really holding it. I had people wanting to support me, but I knew it was too much. And if I opened up, mm -hmm. they would. So I have become that and I do that for others. Because again, the greatest gift is to allow someone to just reach out your arms and say, I know, I get it. Yeah. It's okay. Feel it all. Get it out of your system. Let it out. Scream, cry, throw yourself. It's okay. I got you. I hold you. And nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be okay. We got this together. And we walk this together. We must help each other heal together without judgment. Yeah. We must help each other heal with guidance and love and patience and without judgment and helping all of us embrace the new and help us transition and grow into the new very lovingly yeah it's true so like uh, after you got someone like uh who's guiding you through help and being accountable for your journey what else someone can actually do for themselves how they can moving forward with the, like a, is there something like a obviously you can't really avoid the pain and the suffering you have to go through and the grief stays for a long period of the time do you recommend someone to go for like a uh, get some new hobby, get some positive distraction in order to go through the period of moment? Absolutely. I anything meditative. Mm -hmm. So hobbies are meditative. That's why yeah. whenever you're in flow, find the spaces where you can be in flow, where it can take you, where you can be in a sense of peace. So. I, I really do recommend being in nature, mm -hmm. playing instruments, dancing, singing, creating. We are creators. Yeah. We are creators of life. And when we suffer such a tragedy, such a pain, we forget all that. 
and we are creators. So going back into cre that creative space, um, engaging, I'm sorry, can I just let him out real quick? Yeah. So really going into that creative space, support, going to places where, um, where people can have conversations, mm -hmm. where things that lighten you up, have fun, try to remember and be very patient with yourself. Laughter is the greatest transmutation of pain. Yeah. Find places and people that can see you and hold you and make you smile. Like even when it's hard, even when you don't feel like it, when you smile, our, our bodies are amazing. Our yeah. bodies are amazing. And if we just put a smile on our face, especially when we think of our loved ones, mm -hmm. when we can get to a place where we can cry, but we can put a smile on our face and remember all the beauty and create from that. Now yeah. we're healing, now we're transmuting, now we're moving through the fire. We can't avoid the fire. We can't run around it. We can't climb over it. We can't dig under it. It is a transition. It is an alchemy. And we mm -hmm. must go through it. So whatever tools and resources we have, we must bring all of those resources in to guide us and support us and calcify us so that we can get through the fire without breaking. And when we come out, we come out more pure. So yeah. imagine the creativity that can come out of going through that transition, honestly, with integrity and love. Imagine the love that you can offer to the world. Imagine what you can create and you can share with that knowledge mm. and that wisdom that you that you evoked from the experience. So absolutely, yeah. I say walk barefoot in grass, hug trees, stare up at the sky, pray, breathe, meditate, do yoga, dance, drum, hug someone, yeah. cry, lay in there, but don't allow yourself to get stuck. Recognize that patient, talk to yourself, become your own best friend. I think that's one of the things that I was, it was very tempting to become my own enemy. It's mm -hmm. very tempting to blame, very tempting to feel sorry for myself. And that doesn't serve anyone. And that yeah. definitely did a dis dishonor to my son. It's true. Also like, uh, we always think about the negative side of it, losing someone. I think there is a positive side of it as well. Like when I lost both of my parents, when I was 13 years old, my dad was suffering for lung cancer and he was in a pain like every night waking up screaming because of the pain and everything and there is like a no joy from the whole house and everyone feel depressed and stressed you know how it feels like if someone is ill a loved one no one can have a fun in the house so coming from this situation like every time when he passed away only thing was on my head the positive thing i can take on like at least he got relief from his the pain he had suffering through and those kind of things you can look through um, because no one permanent to in this world. Everyone have to go, some goes early, some goes late and we have no guarantee with our own life. So how can we have the guarantee with someone else's? And in the same way, if I find the positive outcome would happen because you wouldn't be here today if your son didn't pass away, you wouldn't be healing other people. So with his sacrifice, now you're trying to change a lot of people's lives. It's same with me. If I didn't lose both of my parents, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in the UK in the first place. They wouldn't let me come to UK. And obviously I would have been like doing different things, but I wouldn't be here sharing my stories and interviewing people like yourself with the great stories.
uh, it wouldn't inspire anyone else. So always you have to look for like what positive things there is. But at the moment, probably you can see the positive things happening. But when you look back 5, 10, 20 years later, all start adding to make sense. And eventually you're going to be happy about that rather than like being upset because no one going to be there forever in this world. So I know that grief will be there. Yeah, the experience will be there and you're always going to be remembered. But it doesn't really mean like your life have to be stopped. It doesn't really mean like uh, you can't do something else. Yesterday I interviewed someone like uh, on podcast. To, uh, she wrote a book, I think, which is called... Yeah, living and uh, loving and living through grief. Her name is Emily Triox. So the podcast is going to come soon as well in coming weeks. So she actually talked about she lost both of her husband. And they died like a similar kind of situation, some kind of illness and everything. And right now she's uh, helping other people going through the kind of loss, how to deal with and everything. And she wrote the book. So she's like a proper pumped and everything. She's taking everything in a positive way, man. Is like, why this thing happened and what thing I can take a positive way and can change people's life into it. So it's like, always need to find something in the negative. There is a something positive there. And this is the reason we can move forward. Otherwise, the life doesn't mean nothing. You, you can blame God. You can blame the universe. You can blame the circumstance around you. But I don't think that really doesn't really help you or the people around you. So if, even though like yourself, if you was in a mood on a grief and you gave up on your life, your husband would suffer, your two children wouldn't suffer, you wouldn't be where you are today. So how many people would suffer? It's not only you resonate. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're so right because sometimes I'll laugh so I mean literally something will come into my awareness and I'll make a connection and go thanks Josh that's what that was for yeah that's what that was for and you know all the ancient wisdom the ancient philosophies all the ancient spiritual practices all teach us that we are multidimensional beings yeah this third dimensional life is so small Mm -hmm. and it's very logical it's very linear and we get trapped in the prison of that idea. And it's yeah. suffering to me, that is hell. Really truly living this third dimensional existence as it is right now. If you really truly believe that this is all that there is and we're helpless to like mm-hmm. whatever else is outside of that third dimension, to me that's suffering. Yeah. And what you just described to me was hell, was hell on earth had I surrendered to this third dimensional understanding of who I am and this yeah. linear existence, I live, this happened, it shouldn't have happened. Let me judge it and spend the rest of my life being angry that that happened and blame me someone else. And then I died, mm. you know? Oh my I, goodness. What a, what, what a small existence to the complete enormity of who we are as beings. Yeah. And knowing that, learning that and knowing that was truly the inspiration was like is it really real there really is something else and you and i were sharing that sometimes life 
takes us in a direction because again it's all co-authored there's this is yeah. third dimensional existence we are spiritual beings that come in here to live a third dimensional experience but mm. we're just a drop of water out of the ocean yeah. to experience itself and go back and so when I learned that I said wait I'm just I'm just a I'm just a, a, a huge droplet of water we're over 80 percent water mm. I left the ocean I'm walking on land and I'm experiencing life yeah. And it's finite. And that's okay, because eventually the sun is going to dry me up, I will become vapor, and I'll go back and become rain, and I'll go back. And so I said, that's where my son is, he's back in the ocean. And if I'm water, then I always have access to the ocean, because it is me, and we're the same. Mm -hmm. So then how do I raise my vibration? How do I learn who I truly am? So I can always be in touch with home. The ocean is always home. Spirit is always home. The divine is always home. I'm just taking a journey outside of home for a little while. But if he's back home, then how do I yeah. connect with that and be that today? And that was kind of like the excitement that there was something bigger. And we are so much greater, so much yeah. greater than the worst thing that ever happened to us. We're so much greater than our suffering. And we are connected to our loved ones because we are all one. Time only exists in the third dimension. We cannot surrender to the fallacy of what time is. He yeah. is infinite. Your parents are infinite. And now you get to walk among this infinite spirits that are now around us and with us all the time. And that knowing is what truly liberated me from the suffering that helped me leave the suffering. And now I say, mm -hmm. I go back and I say, okay, you don't have to leave the suffering. There's so much more. And I bet you, if I, if I share some things that I learned, you can free yourself. I don't heal anyone. I, yeah. me, I, I hold space and I share wisdom that has helped me. And I literally watch how people consume that and start healing themselves and releasing themselves. And I just hold a space while they do that. And I just support and love them as they do that. Yeah, it's, it's true. And also another thing I would like to touch, like, we never get taught about like how to deal with the loss, you know. Yeah, I think everyone should like teach their children. The problem is the parents they are, they don't even think about they have to die one day. And they don't even think about even though their parents is like 80, 90 years old, still they think they're gonna live another hundred years. <laughs> we don't go to the reality of it. We need to sit back and think, how would they actually feel if I lose my dad? How would you actually feel is if I lose my mom, my spouse, my kid? Because someone's have to go. If you have like, what's the worst case scenario is, and if you accept it, I think in the future, if it happens, it's not gonna be that bad as you think. Uh, after losing my parents right now, even though I think about if, what happens if, if I lose my spouse, what happens if I lo lose one of my siblings? Can I cope? Can I deal with it? And everything, I have to manage this because I came across when I was like a 10, 9, 10 years old. I've seen a lot of people dying on the one time, one of the year. I don't know why. And everywhere I go in the prayer in the mosque, I see these people is passed away. These people is passed away. It's one of my friends, mom or dad passed away. I'm like, my mom never going to die in my belief system. My dad never going to die. And when my dad actually passed away, I was like, this is actually happening. He's just gone. And this is me. This is Russell, I lost my dad. And this is a reality. This is not some kind of illusion. Like other people are dying. I'm not gonna die. My parents are not gonna die. My people around me, they're not gonna die. But it wasn't a myth. So then I lost my mom. 
and then I just realized everyone have to go. My brother's gonna go one day. My sister's gonna go one day. Now I have a wife. She gonna go one day. Could be I'm the one first, or she be last, or could be she's the first and I last. We don't know. This is out of our control. So even though this year I just realized my son can go, and I never expected that. <laughs> you know, my brain was with my wife, me, my sibling. But I never thought about I'm gonna about to lose my own child because never thought of it this way. And then when we heard like a doctor told us on the same day he's not gonna make it next 24 hours, me and my wife cried for a couple of hours. Then inside me something came. I was like, go back to where I started after losing my parents. Everyone have to go and go through this. This is the another reality, and I have to accept it. And nothing I can do. Take that was the good thing actually happened. That time I made my mind, like I'm optimistic if we're gonna make it through. And at the same time, I'm optimistic, uh, not optimistic. I was like same time feeling like what doctor been saying. I have to accept that as well. Like if they say they can't do nothing else, only God can help. Obviously, I'm trusting in God. But what's the worst case scenario? He's not gonna make it. So if he doesn't make it, what's the positive thing I can take? Which is like I saw his face. He held my fingers. Uh, he cuddled his uh, mom, cuddled me a little bit. So this is the positive thing we can take on. Why? have like a miscarriages so wouldn't see him anyway wife are like stillbirth we wouldn't met him or he wouldn't see us so at least he saw us for like a few hours and he's there for a few hours and that's the positive thing we can see and we tried our best as well so and also it's a good thing he's gonna go heaven because we believe in this and because he didn't do any kind of sin so he just says newborn baby is gonna go heaven so that's the positive thing we look forward to and that's really actually working. So I think everyone should take a step back and ask them question, how would I feel if I lose that person I really love the most? And how would I react? And if I'm not ready, how can I be ready? Because that is the reality. Sometimes it would happen, sometimes it may not happen, but if you keep yourself strong on the situation, it's not gonna hit you as bad. And at least when it hits you, you know how to come out of it. Because you don't want to ruin your own life, right? Because mm -hmm. the things you can't really control. And everyone got some kind of gift. Like you have the gift right now for healing others. I have the gift doing this, helping others or advising some people from like my friends and family circle. And if I grow more, then I can do to the world. So it's like a different way. So you have to take the positive. What I hear you saying is two things what i hear you saying is really that that um we 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 live in cultures and societies that fear yeah. right we're, we're we're very we're a very hubristic society right? we're a very entitled society we feel that we should just conquer nature mm -hmm. that we should just just anything that's not human is ours. And matter of fact, being human is ours too, because human is finite, but we're going to make it infinite as much as we can. Yeah. We are just going to go against nature and we just do not want to die. And why? Because there's this fear. There yeah. is this paralyzing fear of death. And to me, it's, it's fear or mortality. And mm -hmm. so people are very, 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 very afraid to have the thoughts that you're thinking of because they literally break under the idea of, wait, my parents are going to die. Like, it is such a terror that I, I can't even think about that. I, I can't, if yeah. I think about that, I can't function. And it shuts them down. They don't even listen. So, uh, if you, even though you tell them, like your parents come down, oh, don't, don't even say that. Yeah. It's a bad luck so, or something. 
different cultures. Yes, it's the terror. It's it's yeah. a terror, and it's it's not logical, and that's how I know that it's a spiritual break, mm. because this third dimension is is it's run on physics. The, yeah. the laws of physics govern the third dimension, and so that's only half of our brain, our logical brain. Our other half of the brain knows very much that we are infinite, knows very much yeah. that we are nature, knows very much that we are cyclical, knows very much that we transition. And we don't allow ourselves access to that. We live very much in our left brain. Mm -hmm. And then it freaks us out when it's like, wait, death, cut short. Wait, I, I don't have any control. You mean somebody could just develop a disease and just die on me? Like I, that's control and that anxiety of yeah. not being able to predict is something that is 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 incultified in us. It is it is put in us, and we adapt that. It's a program. If we were living our closer to nature, if we were living really closer to our indigenous ways, yeah, life would be finite all around us. We would literally watch cycles of life turn all around. It would be part of our everyday existence. We would celebrate the transition. We would truly understand what transitioning from one life form to the next mm. is naturally. And we would embrace that and celebrate that and honor that. But because all of that has been stripped from us and we live in this very artificial world yeah. where buildings can last forever and we make things that, and, and it, but then on the other hand, we we take that and we we turn it upside down because everything is finite. Like this phone will only last like a year and then you need a new one and you need a new yeah. one, and you need a new one and you need a new one. So it's like these messages are constantly. And so people panic in between the messages of lasting forever. Mm. We'll do surgeries. We'll replace body parts. We'll put machines in our bodies. As long as we don't die, we're yeah. going to live forever. It's like that fear. But then other, we send the messages. Oh, we could just, that's disposable. That's dispensable. That's yeah. disposable. At work, you can't hold on to your job because if you make one mistake, you won't have a job. So there's things you can hold on. There's things you can't hold on to. So everyone's trying to control things because no one has control over themselves. Mm. My own happiness, my own joy, my own choices. Am I doing the job that I want? Am I with the partner that really, really fulfills me? Yeah. Am I walking the path that I really want to do? And so no one's doing anything that really is actualizing their essence of who they were born to be so the fear of there's a limited time and and then it's over and then what happens and then it's mm -hmm. done so it's mm -hmm. that disconnection from the all that it's like okay so once i close my eyes and i take my last breath well, that's it and then yeah. i spent 50 years doing nothing i spent 70 years i've been 14 years doing nothing so it's like that's to me it's a spiritual disconnect that that's what causes and maintains the suffering. So we accept our mortality and we celebrate our mortality. When you want to celebrate every life as a party, if you don't know what's coming tomorrow, if all the possible, and then remember, we have myriad of possibilities of our futures, but if fear is attached to one, we will hold on to that one, we will grab that one, we will live that, and everything we do is based on that one fear. When yeah. there's a myriad of possibilities that could, could occur, so fear keeps us really, really, really trapped. And to me, that's also suffering. And it, because it prevents us from living in the reality of, yes, my parents are gonna pass. My siblings are gonna pass, I'm gonna pass. You know, my non-human companions will pass, the tree yeah. will pass. So everything is, is cyclical it's, and it's going to happen and it's okay. And we all survive, we all move on. But still, it's a terror, and it's because of that spiritual disconnect and the not accepting all of the as is. This is who I am, and I'm okay. And believing, 
truly yeah. believing that we won't break, truly believing that there is something else after. It's like nothing else after could possibly be as good. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to hold on and stay suffering what would have, should have, could have been. Yeah. Instead of really believing that I can find joy and happiness and could I actually be happier at the other side of this? That is that possible? Yeah. No, it's only misery because this person is no longer here. And what mm-hmm. a disservice it is to us. And again, all our gifts that we were born to, to bring. I yeah. see my son as, as he made a sacrifice so that I could be doing the work that I'm doing. Yeah, That's how I see his path. I see us all as signing soul contracts. And he knew exactly what he was going to do when he got here. I believe God doesn't make mistakes. Nature doesn't yeah. make mistakes. And everything happens as it should. And so he came here. And what was the lesson? What were the pearls in there for me to learn from so that I could grow and actualize my purpose? Because obviously I was not living my purpose. I'm doing it mm. now. I wasn't doing it when he was 11. So he was my force to say, mom, I'm going to do this because you were born to do something else and the world needs you. So I'm going to do this and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt and you're going to feel like you can't breathe. But trust me, trust me, this is all for the service of the, the whole. This is service for all good. And he yeah. was right. And so in service and gratitude to him, I do this work every single day to remind myself and remind everyone that there is something better and greater when you walk your true path, when you walk in divinity and integrity and love, and you really take life and say, we co-author this. There's two, there's, there's two <laughs> authors on this book. There's life, but there's, there's also me, and I get to choose. Yeah. And our reality is our choice. Our perception yeah. is reality. So I choose to see life this way, and it served me well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jackie, so we take uh, coming to the end of the show. So it was great sharing oh, your wow, journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nearly an hour. So those who's listening wants to reach out to you or learn more about you, how they can find you. So they can always reach me first through my website. So it's www.seedstoinspire.org, S-E-E-D-S-T-O-I-N-S-P-I-R-E.org. Uh, we're on Facebook at Seeds to Inspire. I mean, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram at Seeds to Inspire, but I also have a personal LinkedIn and a personal Facebook page. You can email us, you can send requests, ask questions, volunteer. We always um, are looking for supporters to help us do this work out in the community yeah. and drop a line and say hi and, and let's talk. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing your amazing journey. And I know. I made you cry, so sorry for that. Um, <laughs> we had to be emotional. So, yeah, I wish you good luck with your career and rest of your life as well. I hope you have oh. a lovely week. Thank you. Thank you to all of your listeners as well. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and, and allowing me to share my story and sending blessings and love and healing to all of you. Thank you so much, Jackie. So that's a wrap, guys. So till the next episode, stay safe, stay healthy. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.